Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. It is Wednesday, you're a human being, you're living on planet Earth, or you're in space and you're an alien, and you are listening to the only pro wrestling podcast in the planet, in the planet, in the universe, in the galaxy. It's Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast with me, Simon... I'm stopping that right, I don't know why I'm doing it like that. Like I'm a game show host. We'll start right there, because the rumor is that a game show has been um, greenlit, you <clears throat> me, has been greenlit for the WWE Network, hosted by R-Truth. And the weirdest thing about that was apparently they filmed a pilot. Why are they filming pilots for WWE Network? You own it, Vince. If you like the idea, just put it on. Crazy. There you go. There's some news to start everything. But no, thank you for downloading Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. Couldn't even say my own name. Ridiculous. Thank you for letting me into your life this week. We are a bit late on a Wednesday. I haven't really been on social media today, but I think a couple of people were like, where's the podcast? Uh, I was just, this crazy week. Crazy week. Loads going on. Uh, one of which was going into London to interview Impact Wrestling's Rockstar Spud, which is the first ever interview. We had AJ Styles in, in episode one, I guess, but that was more of a, a phoner with, with loads of other people. This is one-on-one. I went down to, to talk to the man. Called it TNA over and over. Don't think that necessarily enamored myself to him. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I'm just so used to calling it TNA, but I had a good chat with him, and we'll cut to that. We'll cut to that in a minute. Then we'll get into Raw and SmackDown, and at the end of the podcast as well, we have Alan, our Patreon request listener this week, who I'd like, again, all the support for that. We've got a few more coming too. If you want to be on the podcast and answer Simon Miller's 10 questions of doom, the wrestling Q&A that we do, you just go to patreon.com forward slash Simon Miller 316, and there's some new stuff up there now. As well, uh, you're actually going to get this before the video goes up, but hey, it's all here now, the stuff. You know, if you go through the rewards on the right, and you don't have to give anything, all the content will still be free, but if you, you know, fancy Q&As with me, or now you can get a cool postcard that I'll send you as well, you can find that in there, and if you want to go big time, there's even exclusive Miller t-shirts. But yeah, watch out for the YouTube video tomorrow, just at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash the Miller Report Rules. I'm on Twitter at Simon Miller316. Please do go and join the Facebook group. Group? Don't do that. But do, do join the Facebook group at Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling. Just type that in to Facebook, Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, and it will come up. And most importantly of all, if you are on iTunes right now and you've got a couple of minutes to spare, please give us a little rate, give us a review, give us five stars if you think we're worthy. And I think we are. We're all in this together. And we're all worthy of five stars. Because the more we do that, the more we go up the ratings, we start kicking people's ass. More and more people are listening each week. It's wonderful to get the weird podcast analytics that you can get and see that this little this little podcast is becoming the engine that could. And let's get it to a jacked engine and we can take it from there. Anyway, like I say, we will get into Raw. We will get into SmackDown. But before all that, have a little chat with your man, Rockstar Spud. You kind of look like Stone Cold. Do I? Oh, you're bald. Well, I do yeah. have a bald head. <laughs> and i got some facial hair. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Stone Cold Steve Austin. It, just clip it round and start, you know, chugging. Pretending I'm him. Chugging beers, three, 316, flipping people off. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start there. Where well, you were a fan of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Absolutely. <laughs> of course you were, because everybody oh, was. We used, we used to have a, a, when we were at OVW, there was me and the guy called Sam Shaw. I think you'll remember Sam Shaw from Impact. And, yeah. Uh, he, he used, we used to call him Sam Stooge, because he, um, 
he told it told the office on some Chinese like flunking off from practice, which which I went oh there he goes. <laughs> so and he called me cranky spuds, but any t- <laughs> Sam Stooge would always be in a Stone Cold podcast voice like. Gonna walk in OVW, stooge off a couple of rookies, get over with the office. Ah, ah. Like, dude, dude, that's that's uh, a good stone it's cold. The best. That's I, good. I love it, man. I'm just, man, just another swig of beer for the working man, right we, there. We can do it all in in that voice. Oh, you you may best. ruin your throat. But. The be- oh god, it ruins your throat, brother. <laughs> multi-time world champion and a national treasure. Ah, ah. That's, like, dude, that's <laughs> top. That's top, man. That's good. You've oh, got something gosh. there. Uh, let's start where I know the stuff that we, we want to talk my about. My throat's gone is, now. I'm not surprised. <laughs> that was spot on, man. There that's you go, spot there on. You go. Uh, obviously, TNA. Oh, sorry, Impact Wrestling. I'm so sorry. That's uh, that's forced some habit right hey, there. That's, uh, Everyone hey. does that, right? <laughs> it's a. Um, it, it's it's an easy. It's an easy mistake to make, but I'm trying to reiterate to everybody: this is a brand new company. Absolutely. Although, yeah. although it's filmed at the same place, and you know the offices are still in Nashville, it's a brand new company. It's just when somebody sells up, and it come, you know, this is a brand new company. So TNA gone. Yeah. This is Impact Wrestling under Anthem Sports and Anthem Wrestling Exhibitions LLC, excuse me. <laughs> but um. It's it's a new it's a new company and if everybody looked at it as a fresh pair of eyes, yes, it's got some of the the uh, the stars that you may recognise and some people coming back from the past and some people who are brand spanking new. It's just a brand new company and we're all starting again. Mm. Are you excited about that? I mean, that's kind of that is an exciting thing for a especially a company that's had like you know been going as long as, as yeah. Impact has. That to you have a, a fresh start is well, that's what you want really. Isn't I it? mean. Here's what used to get on my nerves. Like everybody go, like get annoyed with, oh, it's a, it's the reset button, and uh, that's that's a very big annoyance with a lot of fans, and I can understand that. You know, it's just uh, it, it, it's how it was always marketed to the people. You know, to me, if nothing was said, you wouldn't even know. But this is the problem with today's day and age. What's what goes on in the back is more interesting than what's going on in, in the ring. You know, yeah. so. You know, it's uh, it's very exciting, and it's exciting to see how people adapt to change and step up from change. Because believe it or not, human beings do not like change, and uh, <laughs> as, and human beings that do what we do for a living, especially, do not like change. Yeah. So it's it's fun to see how people adapt. Uh, it it it's it's good to see how people adapt, and it's you you know you're dealing who you're dealing with when they can adapt to change as well. So it's. Uh, it's a fun time. It's a real fun time with new people coming in, exciting matches, uh, different directions. Just a fun time. Absolutely. And how do you? How about where do you see yourself going in the future with Impact? Because obviously, in the past, you have done a lot of different roles. Yeah. Which I guess is a credit to you as a performer that they trust you to do all this stuff. But like, so in the future, how do you see yourself betting in, or is it still going to be that? Well, I'll do whatever, whatever you want me to do. I'm a, I'm a professional. I turn up to work. If you want me to do this, I'll do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> you tell me what you want, and I'll and I'll, I can do it. Yeah. And I know I can do it, and that's how I know my worth because I know full well that if if you can find another performer that looks like me, uh, is as you know big as me, let's call it, uh, is as charismatic as me, that can do what I can and do it, you know, not just hit you a home run, but knock it out the flipping park every time. You, you find that for me, you know, and I'll, I'll gladly step away, but you're not going to because I know my worth and I know what I can, you know, give a company and I know what I can give, you know, the company I'm working for. My job on any given night is to entertain those people and I think everybody when they watch the show could see that I'm giving everything to those people. Yeah. You know, whether that be 
oh, he's putting on a great match. Sometimes your job, when you work for a television company in regards to pro wrestling, is not to consistently give the great match. It's to entertain. It's to elevate somebody. It's to get somebody else over when you're already established, you know. And I've, I've you know, I know I'm an important cog in the wheel, otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Because if I wasn't, then they'd go get somebody else, mm. you know. Tonight, we want you to wrestle Kurt Angle for the World Heavyweight Championship and get that close. Done. Tonight, we want you to main event Wembley Arena and get a hair versus hair match over with EC3. Done. Tonight, we want you to lose to a one-year-old boy. Tonight, we want you to pull a short guy's pants down. All right. <laughs> yeah, you... I, I like this. exactly what they said to you. Pull the short guy's well, that, pants that, well, down. It's not what they tell me. It's just like, make this work. Yeah. All right. Because everybody, everybody forgets, man. Swaggle's been in this, was, you know... On the top of the industry for ten years. Yeah, no, it's true. And just be, just because he is a uh, you know a a little person, does that make him any less valuable as a talent? Because I remember that guy in some of the hottest you know angles wrestling television has seen, and to have a job as long as he did, there's a reason. He's a, he's an incredibly charismatic performer, and I treat him as I would wrestling a seven foot tall guy, yeah. and you know especially when he's holding a hammer. So uh, it's just, <laughs> I didn't mean to pull his pants down. I didn't. It's, but, it, but it happened. That's all, you know. I guess he's just got tired of being the brunt of everybody's jokes. Yeah, exactly. You know, tired of being the little guy in the playground. It was one too fun. many pants pulling downs for his liking. Oh, Christ. Why did it have to be me? <laughs> it's always me, isn't it? Always me. And going back to what you just mentioned then about kind of the, the, the size of different wrestlers, I think that is something that everybody seems to embrace more in the modern era. Do you think that's like a huge benefit going forward? Because you will get more varied and more diverse performers in wrestling, which obviously does help the product because it makes it more interesting than just, you know, six foot three, 250 pound dude. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a real, it, and it's a shame, there's become a real stigma on body guys. And I don't know why, because they're the reasons tickets were sold, because they were the biggest attractions. Mm. And I think... Soon enough, everyone's going to be looking at it like, oh, everybody's... I don't want everybody to be the same size as me because then I'm not special. And I always said this about don't put me in the X Division. You put me in the X Division, then I'm the same as everybody else. You stand me next to somebody in the X Division and I'm the same height as them, then I'm the same as everyone else, which takes away what's special about me. I'm the little guy in the land of the giants. That's where I work best and what you'll get the most value out of me. It's, it's like when there's lots and lots of lots of big guys. You gotta have the little guy, you gotta have the acrobat, you gotta have the, the animals, you gotta have the lions, the tigers, you gotta, you gotta have the elephants, you gotta have the, you know, the uh, trapeze artist, the guy that, the stuntman that fires himself out of a cannon. It's a circus, man, and it's a television show, and what somebody likes, someone else won't. Different flavors of ice cream. Whatever you like, I hope you find something and I hope you invest in it enough to watch our show. Yeah. And that's it. And again, it's all about them people. Do you think that's one of the reasons you've been as successful as you have, though? Because you were aware of how you could basically accentuate your positives. Yeah. As opposed to sort of worried about, well, I don't look like the traditional, say, you know, pro wrestler we used to when we were kids. But that's a good thing because yeah. instantly I'm different. Well, there's a lot of guys that are the same height as me that don't like being the yeah, same that's what I mean. yeah, that's what I was and, at, and yeah. they'll wrestle the big man style whereas I never shied away from it the the key with me is connection with the audience and sympathy and I can you know I can make the audience feel something I can connect with them and when I give them a look they'll I can feel them boggling and it's listening like I mean the, be- the best taller wrestler can have is his brain it's not the amount of moves he does it's not the the great match it's his brain mm. and when you can 
adapt on the on the fly as they call it and you know the audience are wanting something you give it them you know that sort of stuff that that that's the most important tool the wrestler can have is his brain and that connection and just listening just listening to what they want and we've got that ability to just change our performance whenever we need so. how long did you think it take you because a lot of people say when you train to be a wrestler that's the last thing you know that is the last piece of the puzzle how long do you think it took you to get to that point where you're like I understand that if I listen and understand what the crowd wants I can adapt and therefore I can be a you know I can win them over more I guess I still don't think I'm there really because you're learning every day yeah you are learning every day and anyone that thinks that they know what they're doing right there's not a day that you could say all right I know everything <laughs> yeah. there's not a there's not a day and anyone that thinks that's completely ridiculous um you can you you have the chance to make a lot of money and um you know and, and what will work for you will not necessarily work for someone else and what will work for someone else will not necessarily work for you you just have to try things and you know like going back to Steve Austin Steve Austin got the most over he ever did Steve Austin was an incredible incredible hand an incredible wrestler you know down on the mat but where did he make his most money coming out drinking beer and kicking the crap out of people and, and, people, yeah. Yeah, and not putting on them headlocks and having them drawn out matches you know them amazing matches drawn out with Ricky Steamboat those and Bret Hart those were the matches he was you know that he was awesome at but where he got f over was you know having a foil in Vince McMahon mm. and having foils thrown at him just like Hogan did back in the day with big men thrown at him and, and having that connection with the audience and finding that one thing what are they paying to see you know when you go and see Daniel Bryan what did you pay and see yes 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 you know and, and you, you you know with Steve Austin drink beer stunner the rock the eyebrow the people's elbow but you know you see sadly some of these fellas get injured and stuff and then they're like well why did they get injured oh because he, he, he headbutted someone for yeah. you know for real and it's like well if you'd have took that away and they didn't do that would you have paid any less money to see him? Because I think, you know, when I went, and, if I wanted to watch a Daniel Bryan or something, it'd be I want to join in the audience and chant yes and see him win. That'd be it. Yeah. Don't have, don't, don't have to kill yourselves, Austin. I want to see the stunner. I want to see him drink beer. I want to see him stun someone else. I want to see him stun someone else. That's what you paid to see. Raise hell and leave, right? Yeah. The T-shirt. The Dudley Boys. I want to see someone get put through a table. I want to see three D. I want to see what's up. You got to figure out. You're your own rock band. Figure out what your greatest, greatest hits are because that's what people get to the concert to see. They don't want... Hey, if, if you're Kiss, they don't want to see that great country album that you've been working <laughs> on. You know what I mean? So. Um, do you think that's kind of lost in one of their wrestling? You mentioned how a lot of people do focus more on... I wouldn't say, you know, probably striking each other, but there is a an emphasis Moves. on... Yeah, and, and also being... You know, hard hitting with them as well. Ooh, strong style. Well, they go with strong style. Yeah. Do you yeah. think it's kind of gone too far in the not in the wrong direction, but there you go. You've just said it. Strong style is the wrong style. <laughs> so there. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the thing. Do you want to be doing this for forty years, or do you want to be doing this for four years? Well, yeah, but it's true, right? You know, you don't. Jim Cornette and all these you know great veterans that I've heard talk about it. Like they say it best. Years ago everyone was doing it let's call it fake and people were paying to see it because they thought it was real now everyone's doing it for real and everyone still thinks it's fake yeah no. so what what you know you've got a there's a time and a place you can once you get it you, you your job is to sell tickets to get them in the building and i, and I just see that, that that type of match everyone goes oh that was a good match what's next that is it's true. not like god i paid to see that again 
you've already seen it. You know, it, it, it's a, these people put on these great exhibitions, but because Strong Style came from, you know, Japanese wrestling, but the rib is not one of the Japanese work Strong Style. <laughs> like they don't, they don't like. I've seen the Japanese come over here and come backstage and then fuming because the British guys have been thought, oh god, I've got to, got to hit them hard. No, you don't. It's a work. Yeah. Chill, chill your boots. Don't laugh. No, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it is. It's a work. Your job is to get him in the building. And when you get him in the building, what was the best one I heard? Kevin Nash said about Hulk Hogan. He dropped an elbow on Hulk and Hulk's like, ah, oh, we've already got it. We've already got the money, brother. <laughs> like they're, already, they're already in the building. And lo- longevity is the key. And Sting said that to me. Longevity is the key. And um, if you can have a long career... It's better. It's better to have a you know a long career than a short one because you have a short one, then you know you haven't had the chance to save your money, and that's what I implore as well: save your money, guys, and don't watch how you drop yourselves on your necks and everything like that. Because my friend's paralysed and he's in a wheelchair because he was dropped on his neck, and I've seen numerous people out there like J- Jesse Sorensen was seriously injured at uh, Impact, and then like you see. You know, um, Mr. William Regal, he's not joking when he puts that tweet out and there's a picture of his neck with screws in. And he didn't do half the landing that some of the lads do. It, all it takes is that one day. Look at Mazawa, bless him. The question I ask is why? Yeah. But, you know, like, it's, it, again, it's a different style. It's a different style of wrestling. And, uh, you know, hats off to the people that do it. Just be careful. That's mm. all I'll say because you don't have to do this in order to... Um, excel in the industry. Yeah. So go back to what you said a minute ago. Obviously, you started off in the UK, as mm-hmm. we know, and I think especially then, because that's when the UK scene wasn't as sort of popular as it is now. Popular is probably our fair way. It's hot. We'll go with that classic. Yeah. Now. Hot. So to see you sort of make it to a big American company was, I think, quite inspirational for many UK fans. And you just mentioned there the sting gave you advice I mean what was that like for you to think where you started and then where you got to I mean that just must be overwhelming it was surreal because obviously you know Hulk Hogan was the you know the first wrestling idol I ever had and for him to give me the, the job was just uh, you know couldn't write can't write this shit as Dutch <laughs> said um, can't, it writes itself but it's, it's just um, oh, what, 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 what would I say really like I hope it did open a lot of doors. I really do think British Boot Camp did open a lot of eyes to the UK scene, that there is a scene here, and don't be afraid to go to your local independent show because there are stars of the future everywhere. And, um, you know, then British Boot Camp 2 didn't open your eyes up to four, it opened your eyes up to 16. Yeah. Seriously, after British Boot Camp 1, after we'd done the UK tour, I was at Fight Club Pro in Wolverhampton, they were selling out. Marty was down at Rev Pro with me and they were selling out. And off the back of the exposure on television. Anyone that says that it's not important, it's ridiculous. They really are, they're talking out their arse. And anyone that says that like, oh, we're all, you know, I was, I, was at, um, I was at a show in Newcastle and a lot of the lads were going like, oh, but you know, cause they're, you know, they're, they're all popular stars now over here. And then, you know, they'd go out and then, you know, they get a reaction. But then television is a different thing and working television is a different thing. And being on television, especially in the UK is a different, they perceive you as a, a bit different. So as soon as my music hit, the place went up. And I, it made me smile, because I was like, ah, oh, there you go. Still got it, brother. <laughs> Out I go. And it just, uh, it, it, it just goes to show that like television exposure is still important, especially in this country. When you're on TV in this country, you're seen as a star. Yeah. And you know whether, whether you carry yourself one or not, 
if you're on television, you're a star, and you've got to you got to really be be humble about it because you're having a run, and it won't last forever. It never does. Some people have a light jog, you know. I prefer a light jog personally, so that way the run's a lot longer. Exactly, you can keep going quicker, yeah, exactly. along with a light jog. If you sprint, yeah. you're going to run out of steam quicker. Uh, I, I don't want to sprint, man. <laughs> no you one know. likes sprinting. Right? No one Cardio is terrible. It's rubbish. <laughs> 15 minutes on a cross trainer, I'm done. Yeah, screw that. You know what I mean? I've also just mentioned how important TV is, and yeah. this is my segue right now. Here we go. Obviously, TNA. I'm so sorry. Impact Wrestling. I'll get, get out of it. It's just because I've been watching end. it for so long. <laughs> uh, Impact Wrestling obviously coming back to Spike in the UK. That must be a pretty exciting deal for you to know you're going to be back on your you know, in your home soul through the magic of the box. The box? The goggle box? I would love to be on goggle box. <laughs> you, should, you could probably get on it. If you told them, you know, if you show with your background who you are, I'm pretty sure they'd want you on goggle box. Yeah. I'm, Quite interesting to the, have the, on. There's a, young, there's a young wrestler. I'm not going to name his name because then, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be associated with such a scumbag, but uh, me and him have always... But, uh, it, it was his idea, but I'm going to put it over as my own. But it was... <laughs> pro Wrestling Gogglebox, just sitting there and watching a show and just like, uh, this is crap, this. Dude, <laughs> people would can, love that. Can you imagine if there's like Jim Cornette in one room with with Stacey Cornette and with his wife, and then in the other room you've got like, uh, I don't know, that, for, for example, uh, I don't know, let's throw a name out there. Let's have Moose in another room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just, just general. Get yeah, Al Snow in a room. Al Snow's got Al a Snow in a room. Well, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Why would they do that? <laughs> well, that, well, well, that's buried the pin. Dude, your impressions are, are great. <laughs> you should you should work I've, them in. I've been around him too much, man. <laughs> Al, Al, Al Snow, I swear to God, like he's just so... When him and Pat Kenny get together... Bruce Pritchard's the one for me. I, I adore working with Bruce. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's only been it's only been like two months I think I've been working with him because when I first got there he was in obviously the uh, head of talent relations I didn't get much communication with him when it was at OVW but he's an absolute riot and especially when him Al and Pat are together Dutch Mantel's an absolute Dutch in on Gogglebox my god like <laughs> like you, you'd, have, you'd have me sitting next to him and go I'd go man that match sucked and, and Dutch would be like it wasn't that good like, <laughs> just so funny I, pro wrestling Gogglebox but yeah anyway Impact, 9pm on Spike UK. It's a 24-hour delay because we are in the US on a Thursday night, 8-7 Central. That means nothing to anyone in the UK, the 8-7 Central. No, I get part. confused by that all the time. You American tell me. American time just ruins my brain. I can't do Oh, it. it's just Central, Eastern, Western, Northern, Southern. I don't know. <laughs> America, help us out. But like 9 o'clock every Friday, just a 24-hour delay. So if you want to watch the show spoiler-free, just... Get off your social media for a day. It won't hurt. It's actually quite therapeutic. I agree with you. I wish I could do it, but it's part of my job, and I have to do it. Otherwise, I get a crappy text from Josh Matthews. <laughs> so if if I do, you know if you don't do it, you get in trouble. But stay off for twenty four hours. Watch the show. Spoiler free. See what you think. Let us know. Do you think it's crap? Let us know. If you think it's great, let us know. If you've got no opinion, still let us know. What did you like? What did you dislike? Customer engagement. You are our customers, man. We want you to. We want you to tune in. And remember, it's a new show. As just as because the name and where we televise and the roster's the same, it's a new show. And I can't emphasise enough that just stick with the stories, follow them on, and you know, you you might get a uh, a payoff that you want. You you know, you might get the payoff that you don't want, and you'll carry on watching just to see if uh, you you take the story somewhere else. It's wrestling storytelling, and that's all it is. Uh, can't put the show over enough. I'm really enjoying being a part of the. Uh, the new process and you know the people in charge are doing a great job yeah. you mentioned social media as well and obviously there is a contingent of people on social media who basically exist to be well negative 
Absolutely. That, that's why they're there. I mean, do you think I love them? You love, love them. them. You don't think they're a problem. You don't think that sometimes they're too. They need to maybe calm no. down a bit and no. enjoy the show as opposed to get mad all the time. No. What channel are you on? Shut up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's awesome. Customer engagement's great, honestly. It's, um, it's the engagement with my fans. I just love having a like. Wish me happy birthday, Spud. No. <laughs> but I'm still doing it because I've quoted their tweet. So I've given them acknowledgement still. Exactly. But like, you, you know, it's just, um, I just love engaging with the fans. It's just fun. And they, I'm there for them. I'm not, I'm not there to get myself over or make someone feel stupid. I'm there for them and to have fun. And let's have fun with this. We're on social media. Let's not, let's not take it all serious. Let's, you know, the amount of people that are just, uh, you know, chastised for taking everything so seriously. It's just, come on, wind your necks in. It's all fun. I agree, it's all fun and games yeah. until someone loses an eye. Exactly. And that yeah. can happen because you're wrestling and it's dangerous. Yeah, exactly. so, you know. I nearly lost an eye with Swaggle. You what, know what, what did he do, like poke you in it? Or no, just, he like... probably hit me with a hammer. Oh, you mean that, all right. He, <laughs> sho- he, shoved, that. he shoved the wood in my mouth. I thought I was going to get bloody thrown into the back of a van. How was it working with King Maxwell as well? How was that? Well, where do you think it was? Well, I thought it was that. It was one of the highlights of that show for me, to be honest. Oh, really? I, I, had, I had a big smile on my face, I can't lie. Yeah, one of the highlights of my career, that was. <laughs> turning up, turning up, uh, the, ki- the kids moaning, crying, whining. Uh, wants his own entrance with a, a car. Yeah, he did. Gets that. Yeah. Gets in the, gets in the ring. Oh, you know, like, just... Just I've ne- I've never experienced wrestling politics like I have with that with that boy. Well, you know, with that boy, he, he I knew what he was doing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So he had that, your number basically. Well, I was here's the deal, man. I was supposed to be going over, and he tasered me, and then his gra- he, he told his grandpa to taser me, and then I, uh, you know, I got pinned. So that, that's it. You did. What can you do? Well, that's what gardeners do. That you can't trust a gardener. I've always said that. Not one that you know you know is experienced in uh, massacre like that one. So. <laughs> no, exactly. No, I never want to talk about that one-year-old boy again. Okay, we'll move on. Last question. I'm going to find him when he's 18, though, and we're going to have a rematch. And you know, if I'm, if I'm wow, so you've announced that 17 years, 17 in the making. Yeah. And if he doesn't get in the ring, I'll just roll him up at a Walmart or something. I look forward to it. As long as it's recorded. I'm sure it will. By then, social media will probably just be like in your brain or something no it'll probably be in 3D in front of you on your watch exactly or something. Like, so just let everyone know and everything's we can watch gonna, it yeah everything's going to be like Total Recall or something you're that. in a Johnny Cap that sounds amazing <laughs> except in this world you're rolling up and now grown up King Maxwell yeah it sounds like, this actually sounds better than the movie Total Recall which let, is a great film great well the Schwarzenegger version yeah Oh, I've never watched that remake. I don't watch Good remakes lad. of Schwarzenegger movies. Nah. Unless Schwarzenegger's in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to watch any remake of any Swayze movie, any Schwarzenegger movie, any Stallone movie. I agree. I we, I'm with you on that. You Last question. Nice and easy. What is next? What does the future hold for Rockstar Squad? Uh, I want to be world champion. Uh, is it next? I'll make sure it is. Put in the right spot. Because it's not always up to you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Everybody who's on our roster should want to be world champion. Anyone that's on any roster of any company should want to be the top guy. Uh, you've got to be put in the right spot. If if I'm not put in that spot in order to excel to that level, then there's a reason, you know. But you've got a place on the show, you know, and always excel and give 100% to whatever place you are on the show. If you again, if you want me to do hair versus hair in the main event of Wembley Arena, I can do that. If you want me to wrestle Kurt Angle, I can do that. If you want me to wrestle a one-year-old boy, I can do that too. Adaptability is key, and al- always your audience. That's what matters most. Yeah. And uh, you do a good job for your audience, they'll do a good job by you. You say, I wouldn't push the hair versus hair too much. You've got nice hair. Yeah, well, As a man who's lost a, his hair, well, you I, don't, it's not fun. I had nice hair last time, and then well, I came out of it looking like a bloody... <laughs> but it's back. I, I, I looked ill when I had my hair changed. Yeah, I'm but, not but doing that again. That's the thing, don't do that. Go push for the world champion. Don't push for the hair versus you know, hair. Well, I'm not pushing for that. 
Like, hey, here's one thing I want to push for. I want to wrestle Double J, Jeff Jarrett. That's what I want to do. Yeah. yeah I'd love to. I mean, I mean, just a, on, on a, in a television program, like in a program on TV, I reckon me and him, him with a microphone, me and a microphone, I reckon me and him could, you know, uh, do some pretty good television. And, uh, you know, he, he's been around the job his entire life. I've, uh, you know, I've wrestled him independently on some shows, and we've gone, like, 30 to 40 minutes some night, and it's just some of the most fun I've ever had in the ring so if, if I ever got the opportunity to work with him on television man that'd be so much fun so much fun oh, I look out for that man yes I hope so Rockstar Spud thank you very much for your time thank you very much you took care what a nice dude genuinely what a nice dude and it's you know as a, as a British man it's always good to see uh, see a guy from these sorts especially because you know he, he, he made it over, over to the States before the, the explosion of the UK indie scene over here I'm not saying that's any more or, or more, well, not less impressive, but I'm not saying that's any more impressive than someone doing it now. I think, you know, anyone that can make it to, to WWE or, or any other um, form of American company or Japanese company is incredible. But the fact he did it when British wrestling wasn't in the spotlight that it is now, and the fact he's had such longevity as well. I mean, he's been doing, you know, he's been associated with Impact for a good few years now, which is very impressive. And as he said himself, it's about adapting, it's about knowing, you know, no matter what you get given, to ensure you do it to your best of your ability. So yeah, good, good for good, good for Rockstar Spud. I'm sure he appreciates me saying that. We get on to this week in pro wrestling. I don't think that I mean the biggest story really to come out of, of of the week was that Braun Strowman had in fact injured himself. I think he's got an elbow problem or there's something wrong with his arm. He needs to have surgery. So right now WWE needs to know the lay of the land to decide whether they need to to change plans because the rumor was that it would be Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar at the Great Balls of Fire pay-per-view or at SummerSlam. But either way, it was definitely, obviously we were definitely going to continue on the Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman program from where we were. So now the question is, what do we do? Because Braun Strowman obviously has been the focus of Raw for the last few weeks, especially coming out the back of WrestleMania, the WrestleMania where he didn't do anything. So the big question is, let's say Braun is that. Let's say Braun has his surgery and he's out for eight weeks. You can still have him on TV. I think eight weeks is all right for SummerSlam, right? Was it early May the 10th or whatever it is? So we're back in July. So he could be back for his Great Balls of Fire match. We just don't know. And then you, you, I'm sure there's ways and means you can get him on TV and, and, and wrap the things up with Roman. I think the question is, what do you do with Roman anyway? Because Strowman was always going on to Lesnar. So who is Roman's next program? Or is he to be interjected into that? Are we going to get some awful Strowman versus Lesnar versus... I mean, they wouldn't do that. If they're planning Lesnar versus Roman for WrestleMania 34, which is the rumor, you don't even want to give a, an inkling of that inkling of that away. I know on the, the Wrestling Observer, they hinted that it could be a, it could be a, 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 a what do you call it? Like a, not a tournament. I guess it would be like a tournament or some kind of round robin where a bunch of people fight for the opportunity to fight Brock Lesnar. And that necessarily wouldn't be the worst idea because seeds were planted both weeks with Finn Balor and Seth Rollins both saying that they deserve their shot on the Universal title. Do you want to see that? Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar? Doesn't necessarily excite me. Finn Balor versus Brock Lesnar has more intrigue to it. I think you need to build the right story up for it to become super interesting. I just don't know if I want to see that just yet. Although I don't know what's going on with Finn Balor or Bray Wyatt because they just didn't touch on Raw. Unless I, I mean, I thought Raw had really good elements, but I thought as an overall show, it wasn't the best. But I did like what they did. Like, I thought the matches, pretty much all the matches were decent. I love what they're doing with Sheamus and Cesaro. I think it's a highlight of Raw right now. And it helps that they're fighting the Hardys, who genuinely feel like stars. But the Samoa Joe versus Seth Rollins angle lacks impact. It lacks emotion. I feel, I feel very removed for it for some reason. 
Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt, I can't figure out what's going on. Maybe I forgot something. Because again, it wasn't the most uneventful thing. And here we are on a Wednesday, two days removed. And I may have just you know, taken it out of my brain. And obviously your top program at the moment is The Miz versus Dean Ambrose, which I wouldn't have a problem with if we hadn't seen it on SmackDown recently. I, don't, I know I said this recently, uh, the other day, but I don't get why they brought back, they brought over Dean Ambrose and The Miz as a pair to feud on, now we just got a SmackDown feud on Raw over the IC title. I like the fact the IC title was given prominence, but it, it was also, you know, kind of thrust into that limelight because you did have Seth Rollins and Finn Balor saying, no, I want the Universal Championship. And, the, and um, the, uh, Dean Ambrose was like, yeah, but you know, that belt's not here. My belt's right here, so let's just all fight for this instead. I wouldn't mind a big tournament to see who fights Brock Lesnar if it's done right. I mean, the thing is, uh, it, that does work, actually, because that way you can then program Roman into whoever he's got next. Because whoever that, let's say that it's, I don't know, who's on Raw right now that I'd actually like to see Roman going against. That's the question. Let's just say it is Bray Wyatt. It's not going to be. They've done that. But let's say it was Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt could come out in Roman's match, interfere. That takes Roman out of this this champ, uh, this tournament to meet the champion. And then you segue off into that. So it does serve your cause. I just, I don't know who comes out of there. Do you do a triple threat? Do you do Brock? I mean, you, that's probably not a good idea at all. I keep interrupting myself. This is the problem by, when you host a podcast on your lonesome. You, I'm literally having an argument with myself. I just don't think you do Rollins, Balor, and Lesnar. Because you're giving away two main event matches now, like Rollins and Lesnar and Balor Lenzer, can, Lesnar. Lesnar? I've got to slow down today. I think I'm a bit pumped. I've been running around all day and it's really late and I'm trying to get this out too quick. And just take a breath. <sighs> Breathe out. <sighs> right, we're calm now. We can go on. Yeah, I think they're two programs you, can, you don't have to run sim simultaneously. You know, you can get a lot of mileage out of that, especially because if you do want to stretch this all the way out to April next year, I mean, that's 11 months. You certainly don't want to give up a feud if you don't have to. But it's a shame. Braun Strowman is always worse. I mean, it's always bad when a wrestler gets injured, but it's always worse when they're on the cusp of something exciting. That's why Finn Balor's injury was so bad. Uh, Seth Rollins is... It, obviously, like I say, they're all bad, but at least he'd kind of had a bit of a run as, as you know, that, that Seth Rollins character. Whereas Finn Balor had just won the Universal Championship and had to give it up. And Braun Strowman now is at the apex of his career to this point, And now he's got to go away. Now, it's only eight weeks, which is the rumor. And that's not going to hurt him at all. But if it does mean, if he can't get back for great balls of fire, and you then have to interject someone else into that title match with Lesnar, or do something else with Lesnar, or just do a face-off, that does take something away from it. But at the same time, what if, you know, Strowman was scheduled to lose, which I assume he was? That would kill all his momentum anyway. Maybe this will help him in the long run. But I think that's the big news of the week. Like I say, Raw was, um, it was okay. It just, I mean, it, it is starting to suffer that, it's not necessarily that Brock Lesnar and the Universal title on Raw, it's just that it's not talked about enough. It's the same with the Roman Reigns Undertaker thing. Like Michael Cole threw in a line when Roman Reigns was beating up Braun Strowman after his short match with Callisto. And he said, oh, the man that you know, ruined the Undertaker is now ruining Braun Strowman. And it's good that they reference it, but that is not enough of a focus of the man who retired The Undertaker. I really hope that's leading to something bigger down the line. I mean, it, it's probably not, because why on earth would you sit on it for this long? But that's the only problem I have with that, the fallout from that match, is that it doesn't seem to have had any gravitas or any weight, or it's not been attached to Roman Reigns other than a throwaway line on commentary. I would like the whole storyline. I would like him to come out in the ring and cut promos. I'm the man that retired The Undertaker. You know, I'm going to retire you. It doesn't matter that he doesn't. Or put him against an old guy. 
Not Ric Flair. He's retired enough. But put him against Mark Henry. Mark Henry hasn't officially retired yet, although has, uh, has often stated that he's, he's definitely there. Just do a match between Roman Reigns and Mark Henry where the, where the Ruse has to retire. Or Roman says he's going to retire him if he beats him. It sounds like a threat. I mean, we're going in the heel direction here, so that's probably never going to happen. But at least then you're using that Undertaker loss to fuel forward to something else. And I think that is the, you know, that's the problem with all of Raw, really, is that these things happen and they don't have any impact. They don't have any weight the next week. So you start thinking, well, why, why should I buy in if there's no, I mean, there's an immediate fallout, but there's no long-term fallout. Roman Reigns is the man that retired The Undertaker and there's a very good chance that will never play into his character aside from, like I say, a here in line there from Michael Cole who, or Corey Graves. It seems mad to me. Seems absolutely mad. However, start with the good stuff. Sheamus versus Cesaro. I really like them as a tag team. They're so much better at heel as heels because it just makes them much more interesting. Sheamus is a more natural heel anyway. And Cesaro, while more naturally a baby face, I think the idea of him being a bad guy, like I say, is intriguing. Can he do it? Can he not do it? How's he going to change things up? What's he going to do in the ring? I just think they've still got really good chemistry together. It's a great piece of evidence for not rushing things to finish things just because you don't think they're working because I would have said I don't know how long they've been together now let's say it's six months you know I would have said a few months ago they're not they're okay and it's nice to see sort of you know two guys you deem as, as upper mid-card guys teaming together because it gives the tag team division more weight but they're not they don't feel like superstars they feel like superstars they don't feel like credible threats to, to the tag team division they don't feel like a team that's a better way to put it Whereas now, not only do they feel like a team, you know, they kicked ass during uh, that, that tag team turmoil match. And they went through every single team. They looked good. And they came out on top. They feel like strong number one contenders. They've never got an attitude. They've got a focus. They've got a story. They've got a reason. They're not just two guys that have been thrown together by a GM that now doesn't even work there anymore. They are a team. And I really do think that tag team division is, is the highlight of, of Raw at the moment. Other than Braun Strowman, he's not hurt. But I just... I don't know what you do when this feud comes to an end because they're not really... I mean, you've got Gallows and Anderson and you've got Enzo and Caspany. They just feel so... Oh, just not... They, they, they lack focus. We're just talking about focus. They really lack focus. They're in a feud that doesn't end. Now that we are over a year into their main roster run, I kind of warm to Big Cass more than Enzo anyway, but I'm not saying Big Cass is ready for a singles run, but I don't see them being able to do much more as a tag team at this stage. Gallows and Anderson, the complete opposite. Gallows and Anderson could be a tag team forever. They just need to be allowed to do what they did in New Japan, really, and come across like tough guys and badasses, as opposed to two guys who kind of just exist and call people nerds. I think that's a shame. And I mean, I don't mind that those two had to be jobbed out, jobbed out, look at me using the terms, on Raw, because Sheamus and Cesaro, Cesaro are the people you're pushing right now, and that's definitely the right thing to do. And I love when Matt Hardy came out and started doing the delete stuff and the crowd joined in. Still no idea what's happening with that. Apparently Anthem tried to copyright all the broken stuff the other day, which is a sh it kind of suggests that you know no deal has been done. So that's probably going to go to the court. So maybe we're not going to get it to some time. But I still think you can, you've at least got to the latter part of this year before that nostalgia Hardy run. I know it's already dampened a bit because you expect them, but I still look forward to seeing them on TV just as the Hardy boys. But I do hope, I, what I would like to happen is you do the Brother Nero storyline again and then eventually just pair them off onto different brands. So Matt can just be broken, Matt and do her stuff and give Jeff Hardy another run as Jeff Hardy. I was never the biggest Jeff Hardy fan, but I know he's got a huge fan base, so that certainly makes sense. 
So I do like the tag, the, the tag team division on Raw at the moment. No idea where they're going. What is the next pay-per-view? Is it great? The Great Balls of Fire is July. What's the June pay-per-view? We've got looked up now. The Always Professional Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast, where halfway through, we type in Raw pay-per-views 2017 to Google. You're enjoying this. Maybe you're doing this with me. I don't know. Why, not, why don't you go to your Google machine <laughs> and find out? See if you can beat me before you do it. It's Extreme Rules. I knew it was Extreme Rules. Damn it. I should have gone with it. And obviously, we've got Backlash uh, for the SmackDown brand, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that in due course. So yeah, what they do up to then, I don't know, but I certainly am enjoying it. I think that, uh, yeah, they should be proud. They should be proud of what they've done with Shemitz and Zara. It's proof that when they take their time and let things build, they can still do this stuff. Then, I've had a lot of flack, because on my What Culture Ups and Downs videos, which you can see at What Culture's YouTube, What Culture Wrestling, just type that into YouTube, I said I liked what Nia Jax did on Raw. And I stand by that. I did like what she did. She, I'm not saying she delivered her lines right or showed personality you know, externally, but she was allowed to at least be put in a storyline where there is personality present. She wanted a title match against Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss kind of fobbed it off on Kurt Angle, saying, well, he's not here. I don't know why he wasn't in the UK. I guess he just didn't want to travel. Maybe he's not allowed in here because of his DUIs. I don't know. I shouldn't have said that. I have no idea why Kurt Angle can't come to the UK. Maybe he had a pressing engagement. So Nia Jack said, okay, well, until I can get a title shot, you've got a new best friend. Gave her a little slap. That's much better than just Nia Jax, I'm going to come and kick your ass each week. Doesn't really progress or grow or evolve as a character. At least now she has something. And a lot of people are quick to say, oh, Nia Jax can't deliver her lines properly. Well, this is the way for her to get better because she'll be given more lines and she'll be given more range to play with and more, you know, more ideas as opposed to just, I'm a, I'm a big, tough woman, I'm going to kick your ass. And Alexa Bliss is just great. So I think anyone teaming up with Alexa Bliss is going to be of benefit. So I like that. Mickey James feels so lost in the shuffle. That was a shame. It does. I mean, it's kind of hinted at the end that we're going to spin off into Bailey and uh, Bailey and Bliss and Nia Jackson, Mickey James. Wouldn't be adverse to that. You know, Mickey James can take the loss there because they're not like they're doing much else with her and help Nia Jackson in the process. And that's exactly what someone of Mickey James's level should be doing. So no problem with that whatsoever. No idea. What I'm supposed to take away from the Sasha Banks, Alicia Fox stuff, I guess this is starting a program because Alicia Fox technically got her shoulder up. So it means she deserves a rematch. So we're actually going to have a Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox program, something that nobody asked for. Not even Alicia Fox's mum wanted this. Alicia Fox probably didn't even want it. She was probably happy being on Total Divas. That Northern Light suplex though, eh? You know what I'm talking about. We should probably touch on Bray Wyatt here. I kind of flew over him earlier, but we should mention that in the main event, which was, we should mention, oh man, I've missed over loads, haven't I? So Kurt Angle wasn't there. And that meant that the two general managers of the night, Kurt Angle appointed Dean Ambrose, definitely man appointed The Miz so they could go back and forth and, you know, push their feud. And that ended with uh, The Miz putting Ambrose in a match against Wyatt. And how did Wyatt win? The Miz came in the ring, smacked Dean Ambrose with his title. And while Ambrose kicked out of that, it still led to Sisty Abigail and Wyatt winning. So essentially in this whole feud, Bray Wyatt was the pawn. You know, it wasn't his match. He was there to further their angle. He was there just to get a pin over Dean Ambrose so the Miz could get more heat. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not here to rag on, on anybody or any wrestler because I know they all do what they're told and they all work hard. I don't think there's a bad wrestler in that company. But in terms of characterization and trying to protect a character, I cannot believe that at this stage, Bray Wyatt just isn't allowed that at all. Like, his feud with Finn Balor is not really there i mean you know maybe i've forgotten something that happens on rob i really don't think i have 
And now, while he's in main events of shows, he's winning, but he's winning to push forward other people's um, agendas. And it's just mad because this was Bray Wyatt. You don't have that many people that could pull that off. He's a very good promo. Like what he says is no good, but he's very good at, very good at delivery. So you know, there's, there's loads of room to, 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 to reset him and get his momentum back. And yet for some reason right now, he feels utterly lost. And this is a guy that got moved over in the Superstar Shake-Up to stop this happening. The whole point of doing that was to make things feel fresh. And instead, Bray Wyatt's in exactly the same position that he was. And where does he go? Because if he, if he goes against Finn Balor, he loses. Because Finn Balor at some point is being built up for Brock Lesnar, clearly. He's, you know, he says it every week. So I just, maybe they just don't actually see, maybe they see Bray Wyatt as an enhancement talent. It could be, it could really, really be true. They just think, well, Bray can be the guy, you know, he's got enough stock on his own and he's got enough magic and, you know, he'll always be a top of the card guy. But ultimately, he doesn't need to win. We don't need to, we don't need to push him. We don't need, he's, he's not the new Undertaker. I won't accept that for a second because as I said before on here, the Undertaker never lost. He always won. There were, there were uh, moments of, oh, what's going to happen? But he always came out on top. Other than, even when he came up against people like Hogan, the feud or I mean, Hogan would get the upper hand, but the feud always felt balanced and even. That's not the case with Bray Wyatt. Never feels balanced and even. Just feels like Bray gets absolutely steamrolled all the time. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. I don't know. You tell me. You let me know in the Facebook group what you think about all this. Start of the match, uh, start of the show was Finn Balor versus The Miz, which was made by Dean Ambrose, the other GM. I, and The Miz got did this weird DQ thing halfway where, you know, the Miz just decided that Finn Balor should be DQ'd for, for running into the ref. And because he was now general manager, he could do that. It was a little silly, especially because then obviously Dean Ambrose came out and restarted the match and Dean, um, Finn Balor won in about 32 seconds. The only highlight here was that the referee went to raise Finn Balor's hand and Finn Balor refused, which isn't a babyface thing to do. But he did refuse because this was the ref that had just DQ'd him. I like that. That's the kind of small touches we're missing from wrestling in 2000 and, uh, 2017 it just it adds something to Finn Balor it gives him an edge it gives him a side that you know we all picked up on and therefore we all we all like him a bit more and I think that's really important so I would uh, I would like to commend Finn Balor for doing that we should probably talk about the Braun Strowman Callisto thing as well because I would love someone to get in touch with me and explain what that was about when Callisto challenged him to the dumpster match I was okay with that simply because it made sense the little dude got thrown in a bin and he was like, I need my revenge. You can't throw me in a bin. So he got put in a dumpster match. I mean, that's the classic wrestling. It's a stupid thing, but it's classic wrestling. But the outcome of that was for him to just pop up back on Raw now, say he's not done, Strowman to say, look, I'm not even going to fight you. My arm hurts. Then have a match that lasted about 10 seconds before Roman Reigns came out where Chris got utterly owned. I don't... I, you do, there, there was so many ways and means you could have got to that Roman segment. Strowman could have just come out and started barking again. I don't understand why Callisto, again, much like why in the main event was used as a tool here. Put him on 205 Live. The 205 Live stuff is quite good. We had Jack Gallagher versus TJP on this show. And while it was ridiculous that Jack Gallagher lost in his home country, you know, everything with TJP, uh, Neville, and Austin Aries is really good at the moment. There's a story there. It's continuous. Everybody has their role. It plays out each and every week. Even if you don't like it, at least you can see the structure and you can see how it builds. There's Callisto getting thrown around by a man 10 times his size when he could be showcasing his 205-like skills in a show dedicated for people that have 205-like skills. I don't get it. I mean, unless they, they really don't like him after he cut that mad promo last year or two years ago, whenever it was. But saying that, 
That was the greatest promo of all time, and they should have run with it, and they should have made Callisto a comedy character for a while who cut promos like that. Because it, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. If you've never seen it, I guess you type in Callisto. You know what? I'm just going to play it now. I'm going to find the audio, and I'm going to play it now, because you need to hear it. It's the greatest thing ever. Callisto, the last time you went at it alone, you became the United States champion. What can we expect from you on SmackDown Live? Well, hey, I'm here, like I said before, I'm here to shock the world. I'm ready. I'm ready to show my lucha art inside and outside the ring. But first of all, I can't stop thinking about Baron, Cor Baron Corbin being on SmackDown. <laughs> I get to have my revenge. Is that a scare? Hey, like I said, I'm here to stay and make, make, a, make a, uh, a good, good lucha, lucha thing. Brilliant. I mean, genuinely, genuinely, Callisto, you never listen to this, but you are, you are my hero. I genuinely think it's the funniest thing ever. So good. Lucha thing, man. That should be a t-shirt. Lucha thing. Ruined it. Ruined it. That, which brings us to Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe. I love Samoa Joe. The, pr the promo he cut on Raw reminded, reminded me why he's so good. Because he's just a badass. And he looks like he's going to kick your ass. But there's no chemistry between them, which doesn't make any sense because there should be loads. But I don't have the answer either. Maybe they're just two guys that don't work together. We saw them have another match here which Joe lost via DQ when he just hurled Seth Rollins' face into the exposed turnbuckle. But why do I need to see them on pay-per-view now? I guess we're going to Extreme Rules where we'll have an Extreme Rules match, hence why they keep brawling backstage and, and we're seeing weapons and whatnot. Well, turnbuckle, but it's still a weapon. But do we need... Is that going to add anything to this? It's like the Dean Ambrose-Chris Jericho program when they had that weird cage match with a plant on it. That Having all those thumbtacks, it was almost an unnecessary bump from Jericho because no one really talks about it now. It's impressive, and the man deserves all the credit in the world for having the balls to do it. But it didn't add anything. It's not really a moment we talk about, says the man who just talked about it. But, you know, when I think of, compared that to, say, Raw Rumble 2000, when Mick Foley did the, the, the stuff with the tax, or King of the Ring 98, which spring to mind, I couldn't even tell you what event that was on, which I think is the difference. I just remember, is it was almost the opposite of what it's meant to be. I remember because it wasn't worth it, as opposed to the other way around. And I'm not sure adding weapons into a Seth Rollins versus Samoa Joe match, especially when the whole point of these two guys is they're really good in-ring workers, is going to make it any better than it is. Which is a shame, because on paper that should be great. But I'm hoping they prove me wrong. There's still plenty of time to prove me wrong. It's very, very early days with this. Right, before we leave Raw, I've got to talk about the golden truth as well. I didn't do that. This is, this is why you listen to this podcast. Scatterbrained comment. I've stumbled over my word about a hundred times. I'm all over the place today. I was in a rush trying to get this done. So we got beer for the working man. Stealing other people's catchphrases. But yeah, Golden Truth cut a promo before their tag team turmoil match. And it was good. It, pretty, it would just remind you that Goldust is, is great. And that when R-Truth is in the ring as well. Just, you know, smooth as silk, those two. They are really good workers. It's just a, I wouldn't say it's a shame they've been booked as comic characters. Because I think they're good at that as well. They do have positives there. Hopefully this leads to a small run for both of them. We've got a long time to extreme rules. I don't mind if Sheamus and Cesaro and those two break off for a little bit as the Hardys sit back and get involved as and when they have to be. I like both those guys. I like Goldust and I like R-Truth. I think they are veterans in every sense of the word, but maybe also both a little underrated, especially Goldust when all is said and done in terms of what they're actually able to achieve both in front of a, in front of a camera with a mic in their hand and in the ring. So I enjoyed that. I'm glad that happened. That put a smile on my face. So good for, good for you two. You, you are, you're my heroes of the week, something I've literally just made up on the spot right now. I, mean, I, I just felt it. I felt it. Like I, I, I completely believed 
that Goldust wanted to win this match and that it's a shame that Ke um, Dave Meltzer is a genius and figured out they'd actually won all their matches this year. So this win-loss record was bullshit. But I could buy in because he made me believe. So it's fine. Moving over to SmackDown quickly. We are well on the road to Backlash and Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton came out at the start of the show, followed by Jinder Mahal. They're getting in each other's faces. This is the real deal, man. This is your program. Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton. Now, it's not doing anything for me at the moment, but I don't think that's the fault of Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal. You know, it's just there's nothing at the moment that you would underline as must-watch TV. Even if this was Kevin Owens versus Randy Orton, a match I imagine maybe more people would want to see. If they were being booked in the same scenario, I mean, Kevin Owens is a better talker than both of them, so maybe he could make something of it. But it's not exactly groundbreaking TV. And I think that was kind of summed up because Kevin Owens did come out. Sami Zayn came out. AJ Styles came out. Baron Corbin came out to set up a six-man tag for the end of the show, which kind of says to you that WWE don't necessarily think that Mahal Orton should carry this. It was a fine match. It was good. Everyone in it can work. I found it very interesting that AJ Styles was on the face side. He teamed with Randy Orton and Sami Zayn. The three lost to Kevin Owens, Corbin, and, and Jinder. So seemingly, he's just, they just turned him. I mean, he was kind of turning ever since he patted Shane McMahon, but maybe it would have been nicer if they did something. Or maybe this is still part of it. Maybe they are planning it. I mean, it is Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles, which I think underlines which way they, they expect it to go. Kevin Owens is not being portrayed as a face in any sense. So maybe they're just happy to go with it. You know, I'm all right with that. It's not pandering to the audience, which I always appreciate. And I do want to see Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles for the US title. I also like that Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens walked out in a WWE title segment and said, screw your title. I want to talk about my title. It's more important. I thought that was awesome. I thought that was, uh, you know, absolutely, absolutely fantastic because it, it adds, not only does it make Kevin Owens look like a badass, it puts the US title picture right, you know, right in everything. It's not an afterthought. It's not a toy. It's not a prop. And I like to think it's Kevin Owens pushing for that. So that was good. I appreciated that. And I, I just think Kevin Owens is, 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 is just joy. He's an joy, absolute joy to watch. Like I said, the Heels won. A lot of people have said they think Jinder Mahal's going to win at Backlash. I mean, we'll do our proper predictions the week before. But this, to me, kind of suggests that's not the case. I mean, we've still got a few good weeks to go, so that could change. But, if the, you know, my, my thing with wrestling is always, you will all think the same, I imagine. If the heels win, it usually means the face is going to win overall. But we'll see. It's odd, odd as well because in, the, in terms of the women, we're leading to a six-man match at the pay-per-view. I'm going to get this wrong. I haven't got notes today because I was in a rush. But I believe it's Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Naomi. There you go. <laughs> Versus Natalia, I guess Carmella. And who am I forgetting? Tamina. There you go. I got it. In a six-man I, I just I think the problem there is I'm pretty sure they're they're organizing that for the pay-per-view and if you're going to give away the six-man pay-per-view on normal tv but you're happy to save the women off that just instantly to me it makes it not an important match I mean Charlotte's gone face now essentially so we're not doing the Naomi Charlotte program anymore so I just think you should spin off these girls into the into one-on-ones one-on-ones feuds are more interesting I would, I would I don't know why they can't all be put in their own programs it's that classic I mean, maybe it's a bit different on SmackDown because you've got less time. But feeling as if the women's division is its own division. I know it sounds stupid. I know it's its own division, but treating it like that. So maybe when you're looking at the card, you go, well, we can only have one 205 match on it. And by the same token, we can only have one women's match on the card. That's nonsense. There's plenty of women there that you could... We have the six. 
right there. So I don't think you need to throw them all together. This was fine. This was just a way to get to the next week, really. You know, Natalia beat, beat Becky Lynch. They're all out there. They all got in a big schmoz. Uh, the real highlight is that Fandam Breeze or Breezango are getting a purse. I love them. They are funny guys. They are funny, funny guys. They are talented guys. They deserve so much more. It's such a shame that they're really only in place until the new day are ready to go. And then they'll come in and have their program with the Usos because they just they just do. They're great in the ring. They beat the Ascension, which is not it's like beating me. It doesn't really mean anything, but <clears throat> they really do deserve more. I think they are. I think they're just wonderful. I think they're absolutely wonderful. I'm a big fan. I mean, they're not going to win the tag titles. They're just not. But I really hope they don't just evaporate into nothingness as soon as this is done. Because there's, there's something that they're entertaining. I look forward to seeing them. It's very rare. I, I'm, there's some people I may like when they're on the TV, but I don't necessarily look forward to seeing them. I look forward to seeing these two. They're imbeciles. I love a good imbecile. There's also a random match between Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Eric Rowan won after poking Luke Harper in the eye. Pretty sure he could have built that up, made it a big white thing. They didn't. Just zoomed through that. And then we've got Ziggler and, and Nakamura. Now, I like this match just because Nakamura can beat a name at Backlash. That's good. His first win should be against somebody that we all recognize. But this segment was just... It's, it's like stock. Stock wrestling. Ziggler comes out and says, oh, you're all, you know, you're all like sheep. Boo, this guy. What about me? What about me? And then Nakamura comes out, and Nakamura's awesome, so it's fine. You know, told him to shut up. That was pretty good. Challenge him to a match. Ziggler says, no, we'll do it. A backlash. And obviously, Nakamura gets the upper hand. Which, you know, going by my earlier point, I mean, he better not lose at backlash. I think you should be pushing Nakamura to the moon now. And by next WrestleMania, he's good to go with a match in AJ Styles. But he, both, he feels like a main eventer. Basically, he should be 2017's AJ Styles. We all wanted AJ Styles in a main event at WrestleMania. And even people that didn't know who AJ Styles was were like, yeah, this guy's a main eventer, obviously. Do the same with Nakamura. Put him in that position. Obviously, he won't be the main event at WrestleMania, but make him feel like a main eventer. Like, even though AJ Styles was in the first match of the card, AJ versus Shane felt like a big deal because Shane McMahon does add a bit of that, but also because AJ Styles had made it. Hopefully, Nakamura gets a title run before the end of the year. You can go into that. Maybe it's for one of the titles, and then you can have your probably your, you know, your Raw title, Roman, Roman versus Lesnar, as the, as the main thing. So this is that, that's why I don't mind this, because it's as long as it's building to Nakamura, like I say, getting into that position he needs to be in, all good. Absolutely all good. And that's pretty much the shows. I mean, it really was one of those segue weeks where they just need to get to next week's TV. And that's fine. I know Raw feels like a bit of a slog, but SmackDown's quick, so it's not so bad. There's nothing really you could highlight this week that's you know, great WWE TV. I know Raw did its worst rating in a long time. It was down from last week's, and last week's was bad. I try not to buy in or care too much about the TV ratings because I'm a fan. I'm a fan of pro wrestling. I, mean, I, th I think it's interesting from a critical, critical point of view, and I love it when people go into it and break them down and give me that kind of info. But I'm not a doom is glue, you know, doom and gloom. Oh, it's the end of days. If it is, it is. Nothing I can do about it. So I'm just going to enjoy it for what it is. Right. We still got our interview, our chat with the, your Patreon man, Alan. We're going to cut to that, and then I think we'll, we'll, we'll close this puppy down because I've been all over the place today. It's been a bit mad. But for now, like I say, if you would like to answer the 10 questions of Doom, which they're now dubbed, patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. You can come on the podcast. We'll have a lovely chat. You can go as long, as short as you want. I'll give you the 10 questions beforehand, or you can hear them here and start writing your answers down. I'd love to talk to you. Do it on your schedule via the medium of Skype. And this week, it's your boy, Alan. Before we do get going, I do want to apologize for the audio with the interviews. I will not be using the same recorder I have been up to now. No idea why it fluctuates so much. I do apologize. 
but we, uh, I will fix it for next time. But I apologize, but onwards we go. Alan, welcome to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Patreon Q&A series. Thank you very much for joining me today. How are you doing? Uh, okay. Good. Right. Are you ready for your 10 questions? Uh, yes. Good. I hope that you are, are ready and rock. So the first question, as we know, is the classic. What's your favorite match? They're put very hard to pick between. It is. But I think that's why I like these kind of questions, though. Because, I mean, not nobody really has one favorite match. It's kind of, I think it depends on the day and, and, you know, the side of the bed you wake up. But generally, which match do you kind of warm towards? Well, the both matches, my two favourite matches both have one individual in them. Okay. And that's that? Shawn Michael. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> okay, we're two for two now. Drew said that last week as well. What are the two matches? Uh, the Raw after WrestleMania 23 with John Cena. I was there. I was live for that. That was a good match. The WrestleMania I had was very good, but that one topped it in every expectation that could have. And I wasn't expecting to go that long, because that one was just brilliant. Yeah. And also the 25 against The Undertaker. Yeah, so, uh, uh, I wanted to talk about that one before we go into the other one, because obviously last week Drew said as well that you know the two Taker Mania matches were his favourite. You've obviously gone, did you say Mania 25 was your favourite? Yeah. Why that one over, over the other one? Well, because the last time they really wrestled properly was uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, well, technically the Royal Rumble... They never really had a one-on-one match for a long time. Yeah. And I didn't know whether they would still have the kind of chemistry they did back in 97. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Because I, I love their 97 matches. They're some of my favourites. I think they're really, really good. Like, Bad Blood were one of the... It was the first tell in the shell, and probably the best tell in the shell, except from Triple H and Undertakers. I think I agree with that, yeah. I think. I mean, I like, I like the Mick Foley head in the cell, but... That would just high spot. Yeah, really. <laughs> it's just because there it's... wasn't that kind of storytelling as the Triple H and Undertaker or Shawn Michaels and Undertaker. Yeah, absolutely, man. I totally like agree. Shawn Michael climbing up the shell, running away from Undertaker. Then the Cole Kane debut. Oh, man, kind can... of set them apart from. In the well, the Triple H and Shawn Michaels, the Shawn Michaels in the corner after he hit the music and the pedigree. Oh, that's great, that bit, isn't it? It's, it's one of those moments where they get you and you think, oh, they've done it. And then, oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite moments ever. Uh, what about the, the other Shawn Michaels, the Shawn Michaels John Cena match you mentioned after WrestleMania? I mean, I think a lot of people liked it because it did surprise them with how long it went. But what kind, what else was it for you that really sort of hooked you in to the point that here we are in 2017 and you're still bringing it up? Well, the WrestleMania 23 match was one of my first WrestleMania that I actually watched live, like not in like person, but on TV. Like I watched, I stayed up to watch it, mm. and I felt their match was a letdown. Okay, it wasn't good, and I knew that Shawn Michaels could have with John Cena. Could John Cena get a lot of slack, but he can give you a brilliant match. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I never hated John Cena the way that other people hated John Cena. I did, I did, I completely understood why people got so frustrated with him. I never kind of crossed that precipice. And I always thought a lot of his matches were all right. And he did get better over the years, which I think is important. Like, I would a bit man John Cena until he'd have rivalry with Edge. Yeah. That, I felt, bring out the John Cena that I wanted to see, the one that he could actually go the distance, like, with the TLK Unforgiven. Yeah, that, I agree. I, I think the Edge-John Cena program was really good as well. Because they tied it all in with the Money in the Bank stuff as well, which was just awesome. Just like... Just yeah, just really. since that match, since that kind of rivalry with Edge, I've seen John Cena came more out of his, like, just matches. He can actually do more. He can provoke more of an emotion out of you. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I never really got that out of him beforehand. No, I agree. I totally agree. I think that's definitely when he started coming into his own. Uh, I have a feeling I know what you may say here, but we'll see. Who's your favourite wrestler of all time? It's not Shawn Michaels. Oh, okay. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, well, I think that's fair. I think that's. I think that's. They were two people that were very much in the same same guys. I mean, I don't even. It was basically the same person, but one went on SmackDown, one went on Raw. Yeah, one was Mexican and one was American. That's pretty much the only difference. But I mean, I think it stands to reason. But still, why? What, what was it about Eddie Guerrero? Well, the reason Eddie Guerrero is going to be my number 10 because my first ever theme with Watson wrestling was on a SmackDown August 2005. Oh, really? So you saw Eddie Guerrero sort of Eddie, first? Oh, Eddie right. Guerrero's bedtime story. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow, what, what on I, earth did you think about that? I didn't know you were a bad guy. I, I was listening and I never, never took my eyes away from the screen and like, I listened to the full thing. That's amazing. So, what, so, so you... You didn't take it. What you didn't think he was a heel or anything. You just thought it was a guy being a bit weird. I guess I don't know. No, like I ne- like did the way he was. It was like I know you've been a dick, but like you were just the way he was speaking, the way he had everyone in his palms, and it was just should make about him that drew me in. Yeah, and nice. it kept me here until now. Fair like, enough, dude. No, absolutely fair enough. I I can see that. I mean, Eddie Guerrero is one of those guys that, like you say, when you see him on screen, you're drawn to him because he's charismatic and he's you know he's got presence and personality and he's a bit different as well so i can see that like if if i want to watch wrestling earlier like here when i went back to the video network and i watched 2002 wrestling or 2003 i think if i saw Shawn michaels doing what he did i would have had the shock in response yeah eddie kind of eddie ahead of him just because he was my first experience to wrestling yeah he's the guy that got you in yeah. Yeah, I understand. Oh, that's a good answer, man. How about your favourite moment? I'd be intrigued about this one. Favourite moment in all of wrestling? Well, it's the one that no one's going to talk about anymore, and that Eddie and Chris Benoit at the end of WrestleMania. Well, no, I get that. I mean, that, that, it, it's, that's a difficult situation in hindsight yeah. to go back to. But at the same time, that is one it's, of those moments that a lot of people the, loved. It's the moment where two people who shouldn't have been made it, made it. Yeah, exactly. So it gives you, like... It, it's, it's almost one of those... If you believe in yourself, you can achieve your own genes kind of a thing. Yeah. No, I answer that. Like, going in that match, the people they were facing, Chris Benoit was in a match with Shawn Michaels in Triple H. Yeah. For him to win that match, when Shawn Michaels pro mail showed, like, a long time ago, said he never liked down for anyone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then here he is. Here are the two guys that sort of have this reputation for not doing, for not losing, and, and, and they're both losing to Chris Benoit. And then... But in the match that Eddie Guerrero had with Kurt Angle, it wasn't their best match, but it was one hell of a match. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially, I think that's the thing. I mean, once you start getting into those matches and trying to figure out which was best, I think that's a testament to the series as a whole, because basically they're all so good. You're like, well, I can't really pick one. I think that's fair. What about your favorite WrestleMania? You've got 33 the, to choose from. <laughs> this was actually a tone between 23 because of the wackiness of it in 20. So 20, obviously, was when we had the Guerrero-Benoit stuff. Yeah. What was 23? I can't, on top of my head, I can't remember. What, what, what happened at 23? Battle of the Billionaires. Oh, is that one? Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. The Battle of the Billionaires. My favorite part about that, Donald Trump, in the office, and the boogeyman comes up behind him, yeah. and he asked for a sandwich. <laughs> Especially now. When you consider everything that's happened over the last sort of 10 years or so. I'm looking there. If I come off the now, I'm saying that's the president of the United States acting the boogeyman for the sandwich. <laughs> Wrestling, man. 
Uh, so what, what, what else was on the card on 23? I remember about the billionaires. Uh, that was obviously... Uh, the money in the bank that I really... When he won, I was so happy. And then it was Mr. Kennedy. That is right, yeah, because that was at the start of his big push before he made a mistake then, and ruined it for himself. Then the thing with John Cena and Randy Orton happened and yeah. Ed ended up winning because he got injured. He was kind it, of... That's crazy. And now sort of... I mean... I would still say that Mr. Kennedy had a, or Ken Kennedy had a, or Ken Anderson had a successful wrestling career, but it's crazy to think that he was on the precipice of being the guy almost, and then yeah, he just he was gone in a whisper. It's crazy. In the match, Oracle had another very good match and a very underrated wrestler, MVP and Chris Benoit. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that, MVP, that was their series. Yeah, MVP and Chris Benoit. MVP had a great rivalry with Chris Benoit, and he had an epic one with Matt Hardy. I do remember their, their I rivalry. I remember that. Yeah, MVP was good. Every he still is good. Like, I, he's one of those guys... He's got a bad track record. Like, yeah. uh, kind of doesn't seem to... When he's there, he seems to be make a round and that doesn't seem to fit well. Like, in Lucha Underground, he didn't really... No. He did okay in TNA, but he did never felt like he... He would never felt like he's reached his full potential. No, I agree. I totally agree. I, I think he... Uh... He kind of bounced around a bit too much to do, sort of really cement himself somewhere. But he was a talented, a really talented wrestler MVP. I always liked him. He had a good entrance, good gimmick, good talk on the mic. And obviously, you know, all those matches he did have with Chris Benoit, I think really gave him the, the lessons he needed. When he had that rival, we were Kane. Yeah. When yeah. he first debuted kind of thing. Yeah. Because nah, it was him. Kennedy was fighting The Undertaker and he was fighting Kane. Yeah. Nah, and they kept good. intertwining with each other, but they were just so good, like, he had an infernal match like his first year with WWE. <laughs> that's insane. Oh, I love Doe. No, he's good. I think that's a, I think that's a great shout. How about your favourite non either a non favourite mania paid for you, be that in WWE or elsewhere? I'm going to say the WWE non favourite pay per view is gonna be Royal Rumble two thousand and seven. That is very specific. Okay, why is that? What was it about that that got you? The last ten minutes of the Royal Rumble. Okay. So the big uh... I guess the surprise element of it. it. It was the... It kind of... When I saw that, and then looking back at 25, WrestleMania 25, yeah. like, that 10 minutes, basically, amazing, yeah. I could go back down here. If they did any of that for their WrestleMania 25, I would have been happy. Yeah, no, it's true. I, I, that's the thing, because you don't usually get that, do you? You don't usually get, like, a standoff at the end of the Royal Rumble where two people just go and have an amazing kind of mini-match. But that's what Shawn Michaels and Taker did. Basically, what you want at the end of that edition, can they two have a proper match? Yeah, it left you and wanting for more. For their right? ages, like their age right then, they were, they were lately very, I think, when they had that match, they were in there, like, out of their prime, but still in the prime. Like, normal people wouldn't be doing what they were doing. Yeah. No, they kind of passed the prime but hit it. Fucking... Like, at their age, they shouldn't be pulling that kind of match off. No, exactly. And I imagine before they started going at it that nobody would have expected that. But then as soon as they did, everyone's like, oh, yeah, these two guys have amazing chemistry. And they always did. They always did have amazing chemistry. What did you think about the championship match between Cena and Umaga, the last man standing match? I'm going to hear. I really liked that match. I thought it was really good. The only match on the card that I didn't really enjoy was the Bobby Lashley and Test. Yeah, that was a bit of a thrill. That was ECW, wasn't it? It was a bit like this. Yeah, yeah. It, the count-out part was just like, Test walked away from a chance <laughs> at the <laughs> title, did. and I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, it makes no sense. <laughs> Classic WWE booking. We don't know how to get out of this, so we'll just do that. Um, no, I, 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 I do I vaguely remember 
that being silly. I mean, I think it's one of those ones that I've forgotten. But like I said, I definitely remember the last man standing match between Cena and Umaga. Because I, I think that was the first time for me, I was like, this Umaga character is pretty good. Do you know what I mean? Like, although on paper it seems like a stupid WWE gimmick, he could, he was so good in the ring and he was so good were, at pulling off that I really liked him. You were good at three minute warning. Oh, I love three minute warning. Yeah, three minute he warning did. were just awesome. I loved them. He did good there. You like you had faith in him pulling it off, but you didn't affect him to kind of end up battling like for Vince McMahon at WrestleMania. Yeah, and then obviously having world title matches here. So he did he did well for himself. I mean, obviously he lost here, but I still think he did a good showing for himself, and I think it only helped him going forward. Obviously what happened happened, and it was terrible. But he was always really good. He could really go. And obviously this was also the time when Batista was, you know, it was Batista and Cena kind of waving the flag. What did you think of the Batista versus Mr. Kennedy match? I would hope when Kennedy won. <laughs> really? Why is that? I guess just because he was the up-and-coming guy. Yeah, and Batista, like, he title run, what kind of... Because the thing when he first got the title, he got injured. And then he came back kind of thing. Like, he never really... On the SmackDown brand, I never really felt like he was that kind of... He never stood out that much because he did have Undertaker there who still kind of was the main focus. Yeah. And when he was champion, he got injured dead quick. And then when he... And when he was fighting with Eddie Guerrero, Eddie outshined him. He never really shown him to be that kind of standout. Yeah. To be rivalry. I always felt like he was the second player, even though he was the champion. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, mean, I always liked him. I always got a kick out of him. I don't know why. I think he's just a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that he was bad. It was just that he was kind of put an opportunity where he wasn't really there. Like, against Eddie Guerrero, Eddie's going to outshine him. Against yeah. Undertaker, Undertaker's going to outshine him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And then obviously, kind of in his Triple H program, that's kind of where he got his shine when he first had his push. But then you're right, ever since then he was... Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, how about your most hated wrestler? I know you said to me that you don't have any hated wrestlers, which I really respected. I like that. Is there anyone that... So how about most hated wrestler in terms of what heel or what bad guy kind of managed to always get under your skin? Because I said last week, mine was always x -Pac. I do have a most hated wrestler, but he doesn't wrestle because he said the favourite non-WWE-related event. Keep with 1998. <laughs> and the man we're favourite is Bill Alfonso. <laughs> Fair enough. Why so? That whistle. Oh, yeah, of course. I remember that. That um, whistle got driving me in shame when I was watching that uh, tag team match with Shabu and RVD. Oh, I had brilliant. to mute it because did... that whistle was just going on and on and on. He was brilliant for a heel because you wanted to punch him. That's what I mean. So it was the right kind of sort of, uh, you hated him in the right way. You didn't want to turn off your TV. You still wanted to watch it, like you say, but you just muted it to shut him up. You can never turn your TV off when RVD's on the ring door. Good like, point, good point. I guess that's kind of cool, though. It's good that, I mean, obviously, you know, this is almost 20 years ago now, but it's good that that worked how it was intended to in the sense that, yeah, he pissed you off. And you were like, oh, man, I hope you get your ass kicked. I mean, that's the ideal situation to be in. But when he did get his ass kicked, I think, when it went a bit too far with the Beulah McGillicuddy thing and yeah, that and well. the blood, that went a bit too far. Yeah, In what in Heatwave now... I was watching that half the time I was looking away because there was one mark with Mike Orton. I never knew how good he was in the ring. Mike yeah. Orton was amazing. He was. He just, I mean, ever, it's when he made that jump to WCW and they, they gave him all those stupid gimmicks. That's when it kind of went downhill. But yeah, Mike Orton was great. Like, his match on there was probably my favourite match of Heat Wave. It was just awesome. A chef from the chair shot to the head. Could know what they do to people now. You're yeah. looking at them and just keep looking away here and I hope you're okay. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, that's ECW through and through. I mean, I loved ECW when I was younger, and I still love it now. But when you do the, watch it, the, it is the like... The moment when you... In one of them, uh, when the basically the package where the Dudley Death Drop, uh, Beulah, and you're like, okay. And there was another one where someone, when the tombstone the woman, and you're like, that's good. It's not effective, but it's like... Right now, these days, that would have never stand. Oh, no, dude, none of it would. <laughs> I don't think any of it would get on TV, which like, I guess is why it's so fascinating. Paul Heyman was right. They won the Nevada, Nevada event wrestling. I think so, yeah. Capture the movement. And, yeah, and right now, that movement, they would never beat it down now. Like, you've got Hog, you've got uh, Hardcore Heaven and stuff. Like, like you've got them promoting, like, Tommy Dreamers and stuff. And even they had to dial it back a bit now. <laughs> Yeah, no, dude, it's it, it's a new world, man. We we live in a new world. Uh, what about this? Is always I'm always intrigued. Bob, what was your opinion on the Montreal Screwjob? So I mean, I'm guessing you came to that after the fact. You weren't around when it happened, but when you kind of found out about it and you find all this stuff that you can jump into. I know you're a fan of Brett. <laughs> no, dude, say what you want, man. You got to have your opinions. Brett should have did the job. <laughs> Why do you think that? Mainly because of Eric Bischoff. Yeah. You could never trust Eric Bischoff back then. True. If Eric Bischoff had a chance to come out on Nitro and say, we've got the WWE champion, WWF champion on our roster, do you think he would pass on that opportunity? Well, it's hard to argue against it, right, given all the things he was doing back in the day. He did like to stir that pot a lot. But do you think that Brett would have tried to stop him, though? That was always my thing. I don't think Brett would have let him do it. Or Brett do you think... wouldn't allow him, but I don't think he had a choice if he did. Yeah, so it's in your under contract at that point. Yeah, true. So, so in your mind, you think that Brett should have, even with all the stuff with uh, Shawn Michaels and stuff, you think Brett should have just sucked it up and been like, "Okay, you want me to lose, I'll lose." If Brett, the wrestler that he hears he was, in uh, you were an incredible wrestler, I just feel like it's hard to say he should have because he shouldn't have, and he should have at the same time. Like, there's so many aspects to that, but at the same time, that thing, like the Montreal Screwjob. To make out about Shawn Michaels, he'd been in two of the biggest, most important things in wrestling. The curtain call and the screw job. Yeah, you're, that's true. I didn't think of it like that. That's very true. Changing and, the business. In both times, Stone Cold got the better of it. That is a great point. That is so true, because obviously he won the King of the Ring in 96, and then... Which he wanted support to, it was supposed to be Triple H. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously the stuff with Vince McMahon after the Montreal Screwjob. That is a very... I've never thought of it like that. There's a video in that, my friend. That's a really, that's a really <laughs> good point. Well, I mean, I do understand what you're saying. I think for me, because I, I, I experienced it live, and I was like a 13-year-old kid who loved Bret Hart, I think it's just that that's never going to leave me be. Do you know what I mean? Like it's you were the kid who was screaming Brett. Exactly. So for me, I, that, that and then he was turning around with the glasses. Yeah, that's, that's right. So I, I'm always going to have his back. But I do take your point. I think you make a very good point as well. In, the, in those days, when the war between WCW and WWE was so intense, you couldn't really take many risks, and you had to protect yourself as much as possible. So. When the Latin never protected themselves, the women's championship went in the dustbin. But, I mean, that's probably what caused all this in a way, right? That happened, and Vince was like, shit, man, we can't let You've that You've got to again. think, in the back of Vince's mind, he's thinking, what if they, what if Red didn't want to do this? But Bishop had the right to basically go, this is your title. He had a bin. Yeah, it's true, he, man. Now you make a good point. 
and uh, what about the, 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 the we'll say yeah we'll go with one of the worst as opposed to worst what's one of the worst moments you've ever experienced the one that made WWE? my stomach uh, like crawl like I felt so sick after listening to it oh and Shane Eddie would in hell yeah that was I it's so hard isn't it because you don't really want to see that kind of stuff and just because it was kind of the thing about MSD with title would never work because it wasn't about him yeah that's... It was all about Eddie. Yeah. And the something about the dead, leaving them dead kind of thing, and they were just kept bringing them up and bringing them up, and it was like, are you just trying to say that Eddie Guerrero won this? Are you saying Raid won it? It was difficult. It's one of those things where people always say, oh, it's what Eddie would have wanted. It's what Eddie would have wanted. But even if that is true, it doesn't mean it's comfortable for us as fans. It, like, we didn't know Eddie the way they did. Exactly, in, yeah. If someone said, like, someone in hell, you're like, he hadn't been dead for a year. Wrestling's like, weird, man. Like, I, I never, to me personally, as a fan, I never like that kind of stuff because, like you say, it makes me feel uncomfortable, and I, I'm always a bit confused. Like, I don't mind it when the dialogue with Owen that did the tribute with Eddie that did the tribute with Ben Wallace did the tribute. That's fine. It's your own respect to them. But when you've done that respect, and then you kind of have a storyline evolving around the dead. It just doesn't shit right with me. No, I agree, dude. I, I, I'm with you 100%, man. Like, if, if, I, if I knew the person and I really could understand, oh, that would be fine, that's different. But we don't. None of us actually knew Eddie Guerrero, so who knows what he was. You think of the family as well, the Guerrero family. Like, I can't imagine that was pleasant for them either. So, yeah, I agree, man. They are, they're, they're moments that I, I don't massively appreciate or like. And that's the thing I could never get behind Vicky or Chavo, because after that rivalry with the title, he went on to battle Chavo. And that would still centered around Eddie. It would, they did it for a while, didn't they? I mean, they really did hang it would, around for ages. It would, from the Royal Rumble until like the Great American Bash. Yeah, it's a long time. So it's, it's just, I don't get it, man. Uh, and obviously, the, the, the last question, we kind of touched on it, but we'll see if there's anything else there. And we know the reason you started watching wrestling was the man, the legend, the myth, Eddie Guerrero. But was there anything else? Like, Obviously, you saw Eddie Guerrero, that hooked you in, but was there anything else that you kind of caught up on that really cemented your love for wrestling, or was it purely just just, uh, just Guerrero? SummerSlam 2005 kept me there for the wrestling. That was great. That was a great show. Was... But then again, it had the odd moment, the wacky moment, and that's going to be Shawn Michael. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Man, I love these events that just randomly come up that you've forgotten about. I mean, it was one of those things where, I mean, Shawn Michaels felt slighted, right? Well, you would have because usual. of your listening to what happened. Like, oh, yeah. you would still feel that. In the one match on this card, on Shumashan card, but actually what a bad one, but the Ben Warner Lana Jordan, it only lasted like 30 seconds. Yeah, that was weird, right? He just, he just locked him in the crossface and he tapped out straight away, right? Yeah. When Eugene and Kurt Angle have a better match and a more interesting match than Chris Benoit, <laughs> I'm like sitting there thinking, what just happened? Yeah, they had the Randy Orton Undertaker match on it as well. I think I, I recall liking that quite a lot, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and they had the uh, normal board between Batista and JBL. That's right, which was brutal, right? They really kicked yeah. the crap out of each other. Jeez. JBL did. Like, half his matches when he was running for the title, looking for a title, he did. I can, John, ima she, I can like, imagine. That's quite, a good, that's quite a fun show for you to see so early on, because there's a lot of good wrestling and wackiness on it as well. The Matt Hardy and Ed one. Yeah, exactly. I didn't have a clue about that background. That's the thing, yeah. So you got to learn. What did you think about all of that? I mean, did, we, did you know that it was sort of like half reality, half story? 
well, I didn't at first until they like packaged. I didn't know whether it was just like a story package. But then when the crowd started chanting what they did is later, I'm like, this might be real. Oh, really? So then you did start to realise it was kind of a bit of both. How? how do, I mean, do you like that kind of stuff when reality blends with entertainment? If done correctly with the Matt and Lita thing with Ed, because they all were fine with it. Like, they were all fine with that kind of thing. Matt was the one who suggested it in that. Yeah, yeah. So if the like them are fine. Like that's understandable. But when it kind of like you can see when they're kind of doing it, and one of the parties isn't that comfortable with it. Yeah, it comes across. It comes across as awkward. Yeah, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Thank you, Alan, for your insight. And he had some good points. He came at it from a different perspective. I'm, I'm always intrigued to hear when people started watching wrestling. And this Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero brought this man into the fold. And I think that's lovely. Right. We're going to bring it to a close. Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. What? I've been all over the place today. I apologize for that. But, you know, we've got to have blips so we enjoy the high points. Please do subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Please do follow me on Twitter. Please join the Facebook group. And please do rate and review. And if you have some spare change, that you think you'd like to support this podcast. All the money goes back into all my many endeavors. That would be great. Uh, look out for the YouTube video tomorrow if you're listening to this on Wednesday to see the new postcards and the t-shirt the patrons can get there. Suitably ridiculous. And there's another announcement on Friday as well. I'm, do- I'm running a competition. In fact, I won't tell you what the prize is, but if you are a wrestling fan, and I believe you are because you're listening to this, it's something I've had in my possession for a long time. It's badass. I'm going to give it away. And that's going to be on the YouTube channel. So keep an eye out for that. But more importantly, thank you for downloading me. Thank you for letting me, downloading me like I'm a virus. Thank you for letting me into your life. And we will always, as always, in fact, not only we're back next Wednesday, but maybe keep an eye out tomorrow or the weekend for the video game podcast. (laughs) 